It is hour two. The game, the game after work. Mitch the Fort Fortner, Troy number two, Coverdale, and Travion Trey Berkland. Phone number is 537-1350. Later on in this segment, we await the phone call from ESPN NFL draft analyst and insider Matt Miller. He'll be making his debut on the main desk for ESPN's broadcast. It's a three-day broadcast in Kansas City starting a week from today. From Joplin, Missouri, this is his lifelong dream to be doing that exact job. Draft day, working at the main desk, giving the breakdown of every player that is picked up during the three days. Get our phone numbers, 537-1350. Trey, you really need to watch. My cousin Vinny. Troy and I, we turned up the volume for seven minutes during CBS, and we're just cracking up. This this movie is so quotable, that's the thing. It's got a great cast. Joe Pesci, Marissa Tomei, Ralph Macchio. Ralph Macchio, okay. And this is like 90s Ralph, so like he's he's no longer doing Karate Kid. Right. Trying to branch out, which he never really did, other than probably My Cousin Vinny. Can you name, can you name anything Ralph Macchio was in besides Karate Kid and My Cousin Vinny? Outsiders. Oh, outside. Well, yeah. yeah. Little kid. Yeah. Little kid. Uh, well, maybe not. Like teenager Ralph Macchio. I forget about that one. Artie Lang's Beer League. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I haven't watched that movie. <laughs> How about Trey over here? <laughs> it's the Howard Stern fan. Well That's played. It. Well, well uh, played. See, I wasn't. Artie wasn't there when I was at the Stern show. You, yeah. What year? What did you do? 12, 12, 2012, 10 yeah, years. He left over in ten years ago. Now two thousand nine. <laughs> no, I know what you mean, Artie. Like, but this was like before. I think this was. Well, was it maybe it's during Artie was on the Stern show. Right. I think he was filming it as they were wrapping up on K-Rock, and then mm. just as like it came out right as they went to Sirius. I am going to look it up right now. Beer League movie. <laughs> yep, 2006. That would have been would have been at that time. Transition to Sirius XM. Let's see. Is anybody else in that movie that I recognize? Because I've seen it once, but I haven't. Lori Metcalf was in that movie. Wow. It's Jackie from Roseanne was in that movie. All right, anyway, again, 537-1350 is the phone number. We wait uh, the call from ESPN NFL draft analyst and insider Matt Miller. Is I want to talk about K-State, of course, and where they have recently jumped to when it comes to Todd McShay and ESPN's best available. Now in the top 30, number 27 is Julius Brintz. He has jumped. Felix Andy D.K. Uzama reigns at number 33. In the top 200, you have Deuce Vaughn and Malik Knowles. Deuce now ahead of Malik. And then sneaking into the top 250 is another corner in Echo Boydo. Now, I uh, just saw this during the break as well, and that's from the NFL Network. And it's their uh, it's the NFL Network's two main mock draft people. They actually kind of update it daily. And one of their uh, portions that they have updated today is for the Chicago Bears. And the NFL Network is now predicting that the Bears will draft both Felix, Andy DK, Uzama, and Julius Brents. But it's way later than we'd expect. They would be late-ish in the second round. My thought is, so they have Felix, Andy DK, Uzama being drafted 53rd overall. I would be surprised if Felix would fall that far with him being the fourth best defensive end available in the draft. I would think he would be picked up before then. You know, Julius Brents is kind of a... Is still kind of a question mark. Yes, he is projected 
potentially first round by ESPN. But again, I think most people think that's still a bit of a reach. This The NFL scouts love Julius because of his size, because of his length. And if you wait middle of the second round to pick up Julius, he might be gone. And then after that, you're not going to really find any corners that have that kind of size, have that kind of reach and athleticism. So it's kind of a weird... Uh, Kind of a weird situation there for Julius, but he'll be late first at the highest. Julius in both um, Felix and DK Uzama, most likely. Um, but that's the latest mod draft update I've seen. Now, I mentioned last week that about half of the mod drafts I was seeing has Kansas City picking Felix and DK Uzama. I have not seen one since, and I've looked at some of the same sites even uh you know ESPN at one point had Kansas City picking up Felix Indy DK Uzama some of those have changed and I'm not seeing him as much anymore mm-hmm. so it's and, amazing how though that here we are a week out and how much movement there's going to continue to be in terms of what people's views are over the next week and I mean, again, literally it's, it's going to change yeah it's bracketology uh, yeah, almost it's, hourly yeah yeah but Dan Patrick made the uh, prediction earlier today that he said Bijan Robinson is going to be a Dallas Cowboy. No, Danny boy, it's Deuce Vaughn <laughs> is going to be a Dallas Cowboy. <laughs> if not a Cowboy, he'll be the first overall pick in the NFL draft if these people were smart. But you know what? There's a lot of programs out there and a lot of franchises that just don't like to win. They continue to lose, and they'll continue to lose if they don't pick up Deuce very early. They're going to snooze, and they're going to lose. How dare you insult the Cardinals that way? Oh, yeah. I'm sure they'll be one of them. <laughs> the Lions, the Panthers, who uh, the Texans. I mean, I'm sure they'll drop the ball as well. They're going to drop the ball. Who else could I? Uh, the Bears. Uh, the Jets. I mean, annually. Someone's got to be there, by the way, to be aggressive about Jets picks. Well, the Jets have obviously the history of the most mind-boggling picks but heading into this draft, their drama is outside of the draft. Yes. Quarterbacks. You yeah. know, what are they going to do? What in the world is going to happen are there? Are they going to pull the trigger on Aaron Rodgers? What's the wait? All right, here we go. Let's speak with Matt Miller. He's with us now. He's joining us in between uh, TV appearances. He's NFL draft analyst and insider for ESPN. He'll be on the main desk Thursday, Friday, and Saturday next week in Kansas City, living his lifelong dream. And Matt, that's where I want to start. This has been your dream since you were in high school, that you wanted to be the next Mel Kuyper. This is a big deal. I'm sure you've been planning for this moment for a very long time. It's been a long time. Uh, unofficially, it seems like my my whole life. Uh, you know, I, I don't have memories where I wasn't obsessed with the NFL draft, which is going to sound really weird to some people, but it's always just been, you know, I think when you're growing up, you're always known as, you know, a certain you're a certain kid. You know, you've got your basketball kids, you've got your guitar kids. I was always the NFL draft guy. So it's, it's definitely something that's been, uh, whether I knew it or not, I, I've been preparing for it for a really long time, and I'm, I'm super excited for it. Well, for the first time in a long time, Kansas State has a couple of guys that could go in the first round of the NFL draft. Julius Brintz, a quarterback, has really shot up the boards. He's now, according to ESPN, 27th best player overall. What have you heard about Julius Brintz and why he is now so popular amongst the teams to be a first-round guy? Yeah, I think, I mean, he's definitely in that late first, early second-round range. And I haven't watched him in person a couple times. I think any time an evaluator sees him, 
you kind of have a, a moment of like a double, little bit of a double take because the length is fantastic. You know, the, the instincts, the reaction time is very, very physical at the corner position. So I, there's a lot to like traits-wise. And I think you, you look last year at a player like Tariq Woolen who came out of UTSA in the fourth round, ends up being, you know, an all-rookie team player for the Seattle Seahawks. Julius Brent has a lot of the same physical makeup in terms of length, that closing speed on the ball, uh, his ability to just you know constantly close on passes. So I, I think that's why he's one of the hotter names right now following that really good senior bowl performance that he had and then a strong NFL combine too. Felix Indy, DK Uzama, uh, and I'm sure that's a name you'll be practicing a little bit to get it down because uh, it, it's one of the tougher ones. But at defensive end for Kansas State, I've seen in the mod drafts, he is really teetering that line late first, early second round guy. Uh, I mean, do you see it right now as like if you put out the mod draft that he would be a late first round guy? Or are you thinking now early second? I would I would lean more toward the early second, but you're absolutely right. Teams like the Philadelphia Eagles at pick 30, the Kansas City Chiefs at pick 31, those are really popular destinations for him. And I think the, the expectation is that we could see a run on pass rushers at the end of the first round, which would really benefit Felix. It would, it would keep him, maybe keep him local in Kansas City. Um, it, he has had such a great run at, at K-State the last three years. The production's through the roof, and then you watch him play, and you've got arm length, power, you know, his ability to lock out offensive linemen and create separation and space for himself. And then, you know, to have the agility to bend and, and get around the corner is really special. So, you know, even if he's an early round two pick, he's someone that still projects as a starter in the NFL. Whether Even if it's not right away, I mean, he'll be a starter by year two. Deuce Vaughn, the last three seasons, has been one of the best running backs in the entire country. ESPN has him as the 164th best player in the draft. If he was just taller and had more weight, where do you think he would be projected? Yeah, the height is – I mean, the size all around is hurting him. We might be talking about, like, the fourth round. It's, it's so hard because running backs are so incredibly devalued right now. You really have to be a truly special player to be a first-round pick. You know, there's always the other side of it, too, that if Deuce were bigger, maybe he wouldn't be as elusive as he is. You know, Maybe the size allows him to hide behind linemen a little bit. It allows that low center of gravity, which makes him so hard to tackle. It allows him to have those you know, super fast cuts that we see on tape. So um, you know, the height is a question mark. He's an outlier in that regard. But in some ways, it, it allows him to be who he is. And you know, I think K-State's had a lot of success with smaller guys going to the NFL, whether it be Darren Sproles, Tyler Lockett, so there's a little bit of a pipeline there of undersized guys who can be great pro players. And it might be on day three. It might be you know late on day three for Deuce Vaughn. But it, his receiving ability out of the backfield, his speed in the open field, those are traits that are going to keep you in the NFL for a long time. All right, I know you're in a hurry, so I'll just give you one more question here. Uh, I do want to touch on the Chiefs for just a moment. Kansas City will have the last pick of the first round as it stands right now, even though Schefter threw out there that maybe they might go after uh, an early wide receiver in the first round. Um, where do you think Kansas City, the areas they need to fill, what's most important? And if, if you were to you know make the projection right now, what Kansas City would do in the first round, what would they be looking at? Yeah, I actually have a seven-round mock draft coming up Monday morning, and I have them taking uh, Quentin Johnson, the receiver from TCU, who, oddly enough, was just working out with Patrick Mahomes uh, earlier this week or, or late, late last week, excuse me. So uh, I do think receivers an area where, even with Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore, you know, even with the, I know Chiefs fans love the potential of a guy like Justin Ross, but I think getting that big threat 
you know, MVS, this is the last year of his deal coming up. You've got to start thinking long-term. You've got to start thinking about inexpensive ways to build this roster as well. Rookie starters, as we saw from last year's great draft class, is a way that they can do that. So I think receiver, uh, particularly in the first or second round, and then maybe a pass rusher uh, opposite that is exactly what they need. All right, Matt. Well, I'm looking forward to watching you on ESPN for uh, for the NFL draft next week. So congratulations once again. You're living your dream next week and uh, looking forward to watching it. Appreciate that so much. Thank you for your time. Once again, that's ESPN NFL draft analyst and insider Matt Miller joining us here on The Game. We'll take a break. More of The Game coming up. Trey, did you pick this uh, bed out of Troy's beds? Nope. This is one I made. I don't know if I recognize it. The Jacksons. Sure. Shake your body down to the ground. <laughs> Went to number 11 in 1978. I don't know if I want to shake my body to this. Well, then I guess you don't have a body to shake. Oh, my. You shaming me? No. Seven eight five five three seven thirteen fifty. The number to call if you want to shame uh, Travion for shaming me. Also, my cousin Vinny is continuing, and uh, let's see, Joe Pesci now on the porch of his hotel. He can't believe the tra- is this the trainer? This is the pig pen. Oh, it's the pigs, man. What a movie this is. I watched the whole thing with a big smile on my face because everything is just comedic timing. Every part of it. Can I ask, have you looked into more of the draft thing next week? Now it all is going to work you know, and stuff? It, you actually bring up a good point because I've been thinking about it. So, thank you. Uh, so every year it's a tradition on the show that when it's draft NFL draft time, we do our own draft. But it's typically not sports related. I want five people. I've been asking a few folks. Maybe we might have a couple of special guests in studio for our annual draft. What I'm trying to figure out is, and it'll be a week from today, I'm trying to figure out is what subject it should be. And I, I, I don't have one yet. So if anybody has any recommendations, at Mitch the Ford on Twitter, let me know. If you guys have any suggestions, let me know. Hmm. I need some good ideas. I ha- I have some ideas. I don't just want to start throwing them out there. I want to collect them, and then maybe we could decide. Last year, it was fast food. That was off the rails with some of the selections that were being made, and Trey wasn't a part of that yet. Correct. Sajay and Big Steve. Maybe you know, if Big Steve is around, I might, I might get him in here for the draft. I think he needs to redeem himself because he was going Arby's. KFC was his chicken choice. I was like, man, we got to maybe adjust this one. So I'm still thinking about it. I'll let you guys know. Or if you want to help me out with the creative part of the show, I'll let you. Even with the Kansas City part, though, like what do you plan on doing on Friday? Oh, I thought you meant the show. St- okay. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I, I – yeah. That too. I don't know yet. I – I don't know. Because I'm trying to figure out how it's all going to work out, like trying to go and stuff. But I don't know like if I should go like right when it starts, like the experience or whatever, before they even do the draft picks. So I'm not going to lie. So when I went to the draft in in New York City, this is 2012, and it was still at Radio City Music Hall, 
and I went day three. So that was the last four rounds, and it got boring pretty quickly. Now, ever since they have gone now to different cities, they'll have live music between the picks. It's a little bit I, – I would imagine it's a lot more fun. Plus, they have a lot of guests that come out. And now that's in such a big live crowd, like the guests that will come out for the picks, like, like you know, what was it, Dallas the other – one of the last few years, a da- somebody from Dallas came out and just shamed the Philadelphia crowd and – it was five times Super player. Bowl champion. Yeah, yeah. his former player. Like that. That's that's where the the difference of the drafts from NYC to now going to different locations in the NFL. That's where I think it's 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 gotten a lot better. It's not. I'm sure it's not as boring. And and adding with the live music, it's it's a lot better. It's a lot more attention grabbing instead of just sitting there. And then once in a while, somebody will come out and say. With the 187th yeah. pick of the NFL draft, the Miami Dolphins select Jeff Bush. When you realize that you have seen this thing evolve from literally a lineup board in a conference room in New York City to the point where it essentially is a full-out produced show. Is unbelievable. Were the previous commissioners getting booed? Yes, when they began to turn it into a live event, yes. So it's been happening for a while. Oh, yeah. Because I have seen clips of the old drafts. I don't know the name of the, the commission when you announced it, but it was really just kind of... Pete Rozell. Yeah, he just went out there and announced it. Like he, it, it was There was no pageantry to it. It was just... No, no. Pete Rozelle and, and Paul Tagliabue... Before it got to this point, and you know, uh, Goodell had actually been an intern at one point under Roselle, completely side item. But one of the aspects of it is that you know you went from just a meeting in the NFL offices where this was taking place to an event that moved to essentially a hotel conference room where everybody was there with their tables approximately. If you go back and watch the 83 uh, special on uh, the 83 draft, the 30 for 30 on that gives you a great example of what it was like. So you, it it was, was it televised? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Was it ESPN? Yeah. The first time they ever televised it, it was still in the, it was still in the uh, NFL offices in a real snooze fest. Of course, and and you and you had uh, Berman trying to keep it lively. You had at the time uh, the guy known as Doctor Z from Sports Illustrated, Paul Zimmerman, involved with it on that broadcast, and Kuiper. But literally trying to make something out of what was a meeting at the NFL offices. And yet fans fell for it. They dug it. They were into it. And for whatever reason, it took off. They began putting it in the hotel conference room because they needed the space as it grew. And then eventually moved it to Radio City Music Hall, which 
is where it was for a long time before moving it over to Madison Square Garden. Yeah, when I went, so I went again, went day three, so it was a Saturday, and I waited in line probably an hour, and there was a line of maybe a couple hundred people outside of 30 Rock Mm -hmm. to get in, which is right next to Times Square. And there's like people going around with tablets, and you can play like this NFL game, like it's a trivia game, and you can win prizes or whatever. But it's also like to get you signed up for something and send you a bunch of emails. And I still get those damn emails from sure. the NFL about this and that. Like, sure, check out their shop, you know, their you know, go shopping on their website or whatever, or buy tickets this. And I still get those those <laughs> those emails. But they also <laughs> then he, then they gave you a goodie bag when you walked in. I remember I still have I still have the pin. I still have the koozie. They also gave you this ear thing because they had two monitors up. To your left was the NFL Network. To the right was ESPN. Mm-hmm. You could set the ear thing as like an earpiece. It was almost like a hear- hearing aid thing. And then you could set it to either the NFL Network or ESPN and then listen in to the analysts. But if you, it was just silence or just mumbling amongst people that were there between the picks. It was really boring. But I stuck around because I wanted to see if a Wildcat would be drafted, and I had to wait late to the seventh round to see Bryce Brown, his name pop up on the monitor to the Philadelphia Eagles. And I was like, might as well stay for Mr. Irrelevant. It was a quarterback from Northern Illinois. It is it is much better than what it used to be. Oh, yeah, and that's and, why I say they finally have put it into being a produced show. Yeah, it, 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 like Kansas City's projecting as many as 300,000 people for this thing at the most. Like, Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, this is a, <laughs> this is a much different event. 1980, Chet Simmons, who at the time was president of, of ESPN and had been one of Rune Arledge's guys over at ABC for a number of years, before he got into issues with gambling, asked Pete Rozelle if the fledgling network could broadcast coverage, and this was a year old ESPN at the time, asked if they could broadcast coverage of the draft live. Rozelle didn't believe it would be entertaining television, but he agreed. Hmm. It moved to the weekends in 88, And from there, it's kind of just progressed to this craziness. Trey, who's uh, who's your boy you want to see on Saturday? Thunder, Thunder Liger, Thundercat, Thundercat. <laughs> uh, I, I did read that, and this is actually pretty interesting. That for his performance on Saturday, that he's actually going to be doing some sort of tribute to the history of jazz in Kansas City. Oh, cool! Yeah, that's cool. That is pretty dope. That that would be very sharp. I think that'd be worth the price of admission. Somebody made a joke the other yesterday. Is like. I saw it on social media that the announcement of Motley Crue performing Friday night after the draft wraps up for the day, and then Motley Crue's going to come out and play for an hour or something. And like, great, now they're playing for the price of admission. Admission. I was like, and it's free. I'm like, you bastard. I felt that was like a personal shot at me, I thought. Well, guys, if you're projecting, you said the the projected number is like 300,000 people. I should plan to be there really early <laughs> there won't be three hundred thousand there at one time right in and out i think i think i think three hundred thousand is a very generous number because i just don't know how to plan for this thing because like i said like you can get there at 12 and have stuff go on till 10 which is when motley Cruz was to come out at 10 yeah and then they do the actual draft stuff i think is around five or six or something like that see that's the thing like see i don't know if i should get there like 
at 12 or just like be there a few hours like or during the when the draft stuff's going on i don't know how to plan for this at all because it's kind of all over the place well that's the thing i don't know if anybody does right because kansas city has never hosted the nfl draft the the only equivalent to this is the parades right with with so many people and whatever the parking situation is going to be i don't that's the thing like it's all up in the air. Yeah, you which just worries gotta, me. I like being more. Everybody's <laughs> just gonna out. have to wing it. I don't know if the NFL has like put out any info and like, because I don't. Even, I'm sure you'd have to park downtown somewhere and walk. Right. I'm sure or park. You know, park in some neighborhood and walk. I don't know. I don't know right. Kansas City that well to even give you a good guess right. on what to do. I mean that that right there is a great photo of it back in 1970. Pete Rozelle with a dry erase board. See, <laughs> there are moments back in those days that I wish I was alive for. That, I didn't miss a thing. <laughs> no. No, but that's what you were talking about in terms of what the what it was when ESPN first started televising the draft. Although you can go back in those days and still see the, the Jets get ripped for oh, the yeah. draft picks oh, yeah. they were making. Uh, all right, let's take a break. When we come back, let's get to our usuals. Number one song of the day after these words. I didn't even know this until today. I'm going to look up John Bon Jovi real quick. So I knew that Bon Jovi was his last name. I didn't realize it was spelled differently. Oh, yeah. Bon Jovi is spelled, his real last name, Bon Jovi, it might be a different pronunciation, but it's spelled B O N G I O V I. Ooh, weird. Yeah, made the right call with going with B-O-N space G-O-V-Y. Right. It's what we call Americanizing it. Are you ready for a question? Yeah, go ahead. Get us out when we need to get out. Gotcha. Uh, When was the last time you experienced a form of nostalgia? (laughs) That's a weird question. You're asking after that song? (laughs) (laughs) Every day of my life. I love nostalgia. <laughs> okay, a moment r- more recently that you were like, oh, wow. Like, it really, like, took you back. Every day, man. <laughs> I, I I will fall down a rabbit hole of, like, classic, like, pro wrestling moments. Like, crazy, the crazy moments that took place. And it still, like, kind of shocks me sometimes of how crazy that stuff was. Back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Like, they would get real crazy with the content. Like power bombing an eighty-eight-year-old woman through a couple of tables, crazy. Jeez. And I think back, I'm like, Jesus. Like, could you do that anymore? <laughs> like, I don't know. That I mean, it was edgy content. And like how they kind of, you know, this, you know, the the black guy on that era is, of course, the way they would exploit women. Oh yeah. In a sexual way. I mean, because Jerry Springer at the time was really hot, and the audience that they were drawing in. You know, I mean, it was a big part of how they built their audience mm-hmm. was women barely wear, wearing anything, not so much wrestling. By the way, speaking of Bon Jovi, as in the actual spelling, this will make you feel old. Go ahead. His son's dating Millie Bobby Brown. Oh, is aren't they engaged? As I say, I yeah. heard that they were yeah. engaged. Yeah, I didn't know that was his son. That's his son. He's actually, you know, Bon Jovi's only 61. I, I would have thought he's maybe a little bit older than that, but. Yeah, his looked, voice is kind of, you know, 
not where it used to be very early on than a lot of other rock stars his age. He does look 61. He doesn't look like somebody that's had a lot of work done. Right? No, no. He's he's just, he's ridden it the way that he's ridden it. I think he has a daughter my age. Hmm. Well, he actually, he got married in 89. Same person the whole time? Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's rare. I've, you, <laughs> If you want to talk about complete opposites of um, Motley Crue, it seems like, is you know the Bon Jovi band. Yes. I've never heard any stories about them. No. Crazy partiers or, you know, any I mean, about as controversy. Cra- as, about as crazy as you could probably get would be Richie Sambora dating Cher at some point. I mean. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, Richie Sambora did marry... Heather Locklear. Yeah, there is that nuts well, there, part too. Yeah, well, there's your the Tommy uh, Lee connection. As I say, your Motley Crue Bon Jovi connection. I, Tommy Lee was first. Yes. There is a story that um, I think, I can't remember if Bon Jovi opened up for Michael Jackson or I can't remember what exactly it was. Holy crap. Yeah, it was a weird really? situation. I think they might have played at the same place or they were at the same place. But Michael was performing, and I think they might have went to it or something like that. And they tried to get Michael to like go party with them or whatever. And he was like, "No, I gotta." It's that's about as weird yeah. as Prince for the Stones. Also, right? Troy, <laughs> not Troy. Trey was actually you, you got cut off. I think you were just about to do a Michael Jackson impression. Well, I mean, because if that you was are, just that. that was it. <laughs> if you are, I want you to kill the music, and I want to hear it. <laughs> that was it. You because, just said no, and because you know. I, I, I wish I could do impressions. And I was thinking about this earlier, like. Who, I'm not very good. We I'm were talking. We were talking about the draft, and I'm like, I almost blurted out a Mel Kiper impression because of all his all of his cliches. And he's he's not hard to do if you know the cliches, except that if I were to do Mel Kiper, I know I'd somehow jump into Donald Trump. Like, because I think I've done it one prior time, and it just sounded more like Trump. Great. I'm like, well, so I'll just stick to my one impression, and that's. Macho Man Randy Savage. We got to bounce. Hey, we're on. Full two hours tomorrow, guys. Trey, Troy, Mitch, go Cats. See ya.